You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're back in the doctor's lounge. We welcome you. Um, We come to you every week on America's Web Radio with the topics that doctors like to talk about in the lounges all across the country when they get together for coffee. We talk about all the issues that, uh, that are important to doctors and important to patients and try to give you the inside baseball on what those issues are so that you'll be able to advocate for yourself and for uh, your family. We think that it's important that patients have the ability to make the decisions that they need for their families and preserve their health care freedom, which is one of the major uh, efforts of our foundation, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is uh, the sponsor of this show. And, uh, and we stand for the doctor-patient relationship. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country that's run entirely by practicing physicians. So we have the information that you need to uh, uh, be able to advocate for yourself because we live this every single day, and uh, we've uh, uh, come a long way over the over the years, and we've uh, picked up many. Uh, sponsors, many, many uh, a- um, uh, allies and, uh, and partners. One of those partners is uh, the Heartland Institute, um, which uh, uh, we are going to talk a lot about on our show today. Uh, today I've got my co-host with me, uh, Dr. Mike Karuchik. Hey, Hal. And we're coming to you from Philadelphia during the uh, Heritage Foundation Resource Bank, which is a very important meeting every year where people who are interested in uh, the free market and, uh, and uh, other um, non-government uh, initiatives, the uh, GMOs, the, the, uh, this, is, this is a place where people come together to share information and to give each other uh, support and help to uh, foster other projects that that uh, are necessary so that we can uh, continue to uh, preserve the freedoms that we have and uh, uh, Heartland Institute is one of those those uh, groups that work that come to this meeting along with the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and the Heartland Institute has become a very important uh, partner to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Um, the Doctor Patient Care Foundation, as we you hear every week on this show, is uh, really uh, doing the work that's necessary so that we can try to uh, continue to preserve those healthcare freedoms. And uh, this show comes to you because of the support that we get from you. So please go to our website www. d four. It's number four. D four pcfoundation.org, read about what we're doing, um, and, uh, and please um, generously contribute to, to what um, our efforts are all about because we want to continue to uh, be able to uh, bring the fight to those who need it on your behalf. So our guest today is uh, from the Heartland Institute. Um, his his uh, name is John 
uh, No Durf, and he is the Director of Government Relations for the Heartland Institute. And the Heartland Institute has become one of our um, uh, very, very important sponsors and uh, partners, and they have uh, supported the work of our foundation um, many ways with uh, um, uh, inclusion in their um, monthly healthcare newsletter, which goes to uh, more legislators than uh, just about any other free market publication, uh, inclusion in their webcasts and in their uh, on their website. So uh, we appreciate that. And uh, the show today, we're going to talk about some of the work that the Heartland Institute is doing and uh, the collaboration that we're uh, engaged in with them. So welcome to the Doctor's Lounge, John. Thanks for having me. John, um, you know, the, the, why don't you tell um, everybody uh, about the Heartland Institute, what it's about, and uh, specifically, let's talk about the healthcare issues that Heartland is is involved with. Sure. Um, the Heartland Institute has been around for 32 years. We're based out of uh, Arlington Heights, Illinois. Uh, we were uh, founded in Chicago. Uh, and we are a national nonprofit research and educational organization devoted to changing the world with ideas. We, uh, d- our mission is to discover, develop, and promote free market solutions to social and economic problems. The way I kind of try to describe what we do that maybe is a little bit different than some other groups like Heritage uh, is that we are a national think tank, but we focus mainly on state-level public policy. So, you know, as much as we, you know, we obviously do some work at the, the federal level, obviously commenting when, when big mandates are, are sent down to the state level, but primarily our, most of our focus is on state-level policy solutions. We work with state lawmakers in all 50 states to try to educate them on free market solutions. Uh, we, we see states as the laboratories of democracies where we're actually starting to see some good, some very good uh, free market reforms. And we're hoping that eventually the, the federal government will kind of see those solutions working and hopefully they'll percolate up to the national level. Um, you mentioned, yeah, we, we work on a lot of healthcare issues. Uh, I know you guys have worked with uh, Healthcare News, which is our publication that goes to about 8,500 federal and state elected officials as well as about another 5,000 um, policy experts, donors, doctors, and, and such as well. Uh, so I, I, I encourage your listeners to, to look into that. Uh, we're actually running a ad probably in our next uh, edition for Docs for Patient Care and, and this radio show. So we're, we're looking forward to building on that partnership. And, and uh, there's also, I believe, an interview with you, Hal, um, uh, in our new uh, segment, which I forgot exactly. I think it's called uh, Policy Diagnosis. So I encourage people to read that. I think that's going to be a really good segment of that newspaper to kind of um, interview a different doctor each week uh, about what solutions are happening and what some of the problems doctors face in the real world dealing with patients um, as a result of, you know, the federal bureaucracy and things like that. Right. I'm, I'm, um, hoping, I'm hoping that um, one of the upcoming uh, uh, interviews will be with my co-host, uh, Mike Karuchik, and, and let him um, explain what the issues are and the dangers are of our um, uh, the the technological state that we are in right now with regard to electronic medical records, the high tech law, and uh, what that really means for patients because it's it's uh, become a major issue. So that's I think uh, an, an, a great upcoming segment that 
that uh, we can look forward to on, uh, on one of the uh, future interviews and segments. But can you tell people how they can get uh, to uh, that information, John? Sure, yeah, you can just go to heartland.org. Um, and click on our Heartlander uh, magazine. Otherwise, you can go to news.heartland.org, and that will bring you right to our news magazine website. Um, and it will have all our different newspapers. We actually have five um, or four monthly newspapers. We have healthcare news, budget and tax news, environment and climate news, and school reform news. They're all on one sub website. They're really quick reads. Um, they really focus on, on free market policies and kind of what's going on around the country. So, yeah, news.heartland.org would probably be the best place to find all that information. Well, that's that's great, and, and, I, and I encourage everybody to go there. I've had uh, opportunity to uh, go through the website entirely and, and uh, specifically for the health care, and I think that Heartland does an excellent job, and they're constantly looking to um, bring it to the next level, and I'm, and I'm so um, honored and, and uh and proud that that we've been uh, asked to uh, be a major contributor to that effort. So so I'm I'm looking for a lot of a lot of uh, great things with that collaboration. And I think that we can uh, uh, make a huge difference. And, and in terms of making a huge difference, you know, Heartland uh, is is uh, talking to people all around the country with regard to the state-level reforms, which I think are, are very important. Why don't you, uh, uh, John, share with uh, everyone some of the, uh, the major efforts that Heartland is doing um, with regard to health care at the state level. Sure. I mean, obviously a lot of the attention is always taken up by, by Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Um, so we, we really try to look at this, and, and obviously that's something we're keeping our eyes on because it does just put so much pressure on the state. It restricts some of the things that they can do. But we try to step back and say, okay, here's the playing field. What are some solutions that states can actually implement that are free market-based that can actually have a really positive effect on the patient-doctor experience? So um, just kind of to rattle some of them off, certificate of need laws, we've done a lot of work on these uh, basically restrict the growth um, and the expansion and the offering of, of medical services in some states where you have to go to a bureaucratic board to get approval, whether it be a, a medical facility or it could be a mental health facility. So we think those should be um, at a minimum rolled back a little bit, but ideally repealed. Um, we've also worked on direct primary care uh, with, with you guys about how this shouldn't be uh, considered insurance. It uh, should be regulated as insurance and also trying to work with with some legislators to try to promote that as, as one of the options, whether it be for Medicaid patients um, as another alternative and things like that. Um, a couple other things that we're working on um, would also be telemedicine. We think there's a lot of growth there uh, with telemedicine. Um, also, uh, retail health clinics, uh, which is actually kind of a unique thing that hasn't really been um, – really regulated yet, which we're fearful that that will happen. So that's actually a good free market reform. Uh, you know, you walk into Walgreens, and if you just need a flu shot, you don't have to burden a, a primary care doctor with that, those types of things. So we think that's a really good uh, kind of free market solution to some of the problems. Uh, but we do see that some states are starting to uh, look at regulating those. Um, another thing is scope of practice is being debated. So we're kind of watching that. We're not really too heavily engaged on that, but we are watching that to see where that goes. And I would say just the, the last thing is obviously Medicaid expansion. Uh, we believe that Medicaid should be reformed, not expanded. 
Um, we know that Medicaid is a fairly bad source of, you know, if you want to call it insurance, um, it's, it, it doesn't have very good outcomes and it doesn't supply very good health care outcomes. So uh, we're, we're looking at different ways to reform that. Obviously, states are restricted from some of the reforms they can do under the current administration. But, um, you know, if these states were able to get some different waivers, we're hopeful that they could actually implement some really robust pre-market reforms um, and really test out the water. So those are, I, I would say, kind of uh, some of the major issues we're covering, but it's, it's obviously not all of them. Well, this is a, a great list of things that we uh, can talk about in the rest of the show, and we will when we get back to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Um, I'm uh, your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. We have in the background our uh, co-host, who's been very quiet today, Dr. Mike Karuchik. That's unusual, but yeah, I'm doing the best I can. Hi, Hal, John. Well, we're we're glad to have you here. We uh, we are at the Heritage Resource Bank in Philadelphia today, and uh, we have our guest uh, from the Her- from the Heartland Institute, uh, John. Nodurf, who's the uh, Director of Government Relations, and we're talking about some of the work that the Heartland Institute is doing and, uh, and the healthcare, free market healthcare issues that are important to everyone that uh, Heartland is, is uh, fighting the battle on to uh, try to preserve the healthcare freedom for all Americans. And we've uh, talked about some of the initiatives in the last segment that. Uh, that uh, briefly Heartland is interested in. And specifically, I'd like to uh, talk about one that really is starting to heat up around the country, and that's Certificate of Need. John, why don't you uh, – we've talked about Certificate of Need on this show on a number of occasions. Why don't you uh, once again 
um, just briefly tell people about Certificate of Need, what that is, and why it's important, why Heartland has taken this on as one of their major health care issues. Sure. So Certificate of Need laws, which are actually imposed in about 36 states um, on the health care industry, they mandate, basically they mandate that health care providers uh, receive approval from state government agencies for various expenditures, whether that could be uh, construction of new hospitals, the purchase of some medical equipment in some instances, or the expansion of existing services. So um, we believe these are very important to look at and start reforming. The federal government actually got rid of the federal certificate of need um, a couple decades ago, so we think states should follow suit. Uh, we know that they restrict competition, they restrict access to care, um, and they in some ways actually also uh, increase prices. Um, we've seen a lot of research from the Mercatus Center at George Mason about how certificate of need states have fewer hospital beds per 100,000 people. We've seen uh, price increases. The Kaiser Foundation has found that uh, certificate of need states, their health care costs are 11% higher than non-CON states. So we think these are a really good way to, uh, you know, where we can look at states and say, hey, you guys should start repealing these or at least rolling them back so you can increase access, especially in rural areas which is where, you know, uh, the claim for these was that um, a, a hospital would not come into a rural area unless they basically had a guaranteed market share. And that's really what this is all about. This is all about kind of protecting their market share, saying, okay, well, we're going to be the only hospital in town, therefore we get all the patients. Uh, but what we've seen is very much the opposite, where they're getting less, worse health care, um, they're getting, uh, it's more expensive, and, and in some ways they don't have as good of services. Maybe they're not, you know, they're not investing as much into their hospital or their primary care physician as, as, as we could otherwise see without a CON law. So we've been working on this a lot. There's probably about a dozen or more states that have actually looked at this just this year. So about a third of the states that have CONs on the law, on the, on the books, are now looking at rolling them back or repealing them outright. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment, and the I'm the hospital, and I'm uh, saying to the state legislators who are um, who are considering repealing this that this protects them, protects our hospital because we are um, given the mandate of taking care of indigent patients, and without this, we can't do that. How, how say you? Yeah, so this is kind of, uh, they argue that you're taking what they, the cream, if you will, basically the higher paying, whether that be the um, uh, cash paying or the Medicare paying or the private insurance paying people. But what we've actually found is that uh, the competition in uh, these rural areas, actually there's, there's less um, access to health care, even in these rural areas in CON states than there are in non-CON states. So actually, there's 14% fewer um, of these uh, basically access to care uh, per 100,000 state population in these rural population states. So you've actually seen a lot less um, access to care, which is kind of counterintuitive, but really that, that's what you're starting to see. So I think the research has shown, especially um, that this is not the case. You know, they're not cherry picking. They're not cream skimming, as sometimes they call it. Um, this is actually just a supplement to what's actually going on. And what I like to uh, say when this argument is is, levy, is leveled 
is that um, the people who have complicated care issues, the ones that are um, difficult or unusual cases, they don't stay in these rural areas anyway. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're shipped out to places that have greater expertise. So this is sort of a straw man argument, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's really weird to see that there's actually less uh, rural hospitals in, in, in the Seattle states. I mean, that, that, it's kind of counterintuitive, but the, the numbers actually vet that out. So, um, you know, it, it really is protectionist policy trying to get, you know, like I said, it goes back to them trying to preserve their market share. They, you know, and it's, it's tough to talk about kind of, you know, the, the, I guess the difficult part for people who are free market advocates when it comes to healthcare is, you know, you don't want to talk about markets or market share or basic supply and demand, but those are still real conditions. I mean, these are usually uh, for-profit businesses, even when they're nonprofit businesses. They want to, they want to still make money, um, and there is a financial incentive. And, and when you give one company or one entity um, kind of the rights over a big location, even if it's uh, you know only two hundred thousand people, and there's no competition. Well, we know what happens. We know what happens in other markets. So why would it not be the same for healthcare? We see worse outcomes. We see higher prices um, and, and limited access. And well, related <clears throat> argument, uh, guys, too, is that uh, the CON laws allow for the you know these networks to expand and expand and expand, and the and the big hospitals and the big markets go out and buy the small rural hospitals in the smaller markets and, and sort of and encourage instead of independent caregivers in the rural areas, they just become funnels. They just become feeders. And so then more and more care, complicated or not, ends up going to the big centers and the big markets. And the rural uh, markets are stranded not only from a care standpoint but from an employment standpoint, which is the other big argument that these hospitals make is that we're the only employer in a small town or we're the biggest employer. And if you, if you jeopardize our, our, our cushy little environment, then people are going to lose their jobs. Another straw man argument. That's a great, that's a great point, Mike. What do you, John, what do, you, what do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, especially since the Affordable Care Act was put into place. I mean, you guys know it better than anyone, but the hospitals are now taking over those small practices and then, you know, the hospitals are now taking over the rural hospitals, and it's really becoming, um, you know, almost to the point of a monopoly in some of these places where they are the big, you know, and, and, and the stronger they come, the bigger they become, uh, the more political clout they have, right. and really the less competition there is. And, and we see that as a, a negative impact on, on both the care, but also the price and the access. And you're starting to see this all across the, all across the country in these states, especially in CON states. At least if you're in a non-certificate of need state, there is the ability for some competition. Obviously, you're still seeing some of this. You're seeing some of those, you know, smaller practices still get bought up by hospitals. But usually that's because of, you know, they don't want to deal with the new regulations, the new health care law, and they're just, you know, raising their hands saying, you know what, under Obamacare, I just can't practice medicine the same way I was. Um, so, you know, I want to get out of the business. And that's one thing. But in these CON states, you're seeing it out of almost necessity. Because, you know, if a doctor who runs his own uh, private practice can't get another MRI machine because the big, you know, the big hospital next door is lobbying against them being able to get that, that's, that's problematic. How are you going to be able to supply as a smaller private practice? How are you going to provide the services that you need if you can't buy the equipment or expand out 
um, you know, the scope, you know, how big your practice is. That's very, you know, very problematic. And when you have uh, the invested interest lobbying against the smaller guy, you know, the guy who's trying to, who maybe has increased demand for his product or his services, that's that's very difficult to see and, and deal with. And and you know, just to put this into a little bit different perspective for for the audience. <laughs> This is this is bad for patients. It's bad for patients for several reasons. Number one, at a time where they are where patients are being um, required to take more financial responsibility for their health care, the the um, lack of competition drives prices up, and they have no options. It's just like saying that you need to buy a car every year, but the only place that you can get it is at Rolls Royce. You know, this is this is what what is happening right now, and why these certificate of need laws are are um, are so bad for consumers, and why they need to be repealed. They're stifling competition. It's also like saying to some, you know, a business that wants to open up, like if you wanted John to open up uh, No Durf Hamburgers, you and had to get permission from McDonald's and uh, Burger King in your area. Um, you'd never be able to open up your business. And, and so Burger King and McDonald's can continue their monopoly. But what the other reason why this is so bad for patients, and, and people can chime in if, if they, you know, after I make this point, is that when the hospitals are the only place for the, uh, for the patients to get their care and the doctors are, are employed by the hospital, the interests of the patient is not the primary concern of the employed physicians. It's satisfying their employer's demands. And so the preservation of the free market or private practice is essential to patients and essential to patient good patient care because when you're in a private practice, your only customer, your only concern is the patient. But when you are in a big system... You are first beholden to your employer, with your secondary um, concern being the patient. Oh, well, those those stories are, are, are out there of, of doctors getting strong armed, you know, having their arms twisted in an employment setting by their hospital employer, saying, you know, you're not admitting enough patients, you're not ordering enough labs or enough radiology, uh, and uh, you know, clearly that creates you know a horrible ethical dilemma and a huge moral hazard. Uh, for, you know, for the physician, it's a horrible position. You know, regarding the um, the purchase of facilities by by hospitals, you know, we've we've been directly impacted by this in our practice. We had a a freestanding hospital independent radiology facility that got ninety percent of our business for a variety of reasons. One of which was their prices were good. Uh, one of the major hospitals in our market bought them and literally tripled the prices overnight. And we went from, you know, a very smooth operation to, you know, chaos and angry patients calling all over the place, thinking that somehow we had something to do with this. Uh, but it's a big problem. It's an awful problem. Yeah, the incentives of, you know, with especially these big hospitals, and there's nothing wrong with having big hospitals, obviously, but I think it's the lack of competition um, from kind of those upstarts or those smaller facilities that can provide, whether it's cheaper service, um, or maybe better, better outcomes, or maybe just more personalized service. 
you know, have, being able to, uh, you know, I know you guys talk about this uh, again. I mean, you're not going to get that doctor-patient relationship where you actually know who your doctor is and, and you know, actually get to know the, the, the person in a big hospital. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, depending as a, as, a, as a client or as a patient, you want the option of, you know, what kind of, what kind of health care do I value? Is it trying to find the most affordable? Is it to find a doctor who really cares about me that I can talk through different issues and, and get John, to know? John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right here. We're at the end of the segment. You are listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio with special guest John Northrup. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And you're back in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm Hal Schurz, your host, with my co-host with me today, Dr. Michael Karuchik. Say hi, hey. And our special guest, uh, John Noder from the Her- from the sorry from the Heartland Institute, and uh, we are talking about the efforts of Heartland um, with regard to uh, preserving or protecting uh, patients' autonomy in healthcare and what what they're doing to fight for that. And uh, we've talked about a, a number of things already in the first two segments. Um, Want to uh, remind everybody to please go to uh, our website. That would be docs number four patientcarefoundation.org or d4pcfoundation.org. Read about the things that we're doing. Read about our relationship with Heartland, and uh, and help us continue to bring to you the uh, efforts that uh, uh, comprise this show and all the other work that we're doing. And and also go to heartland.org and read about what they're doing and they're doing great stuff and that's why they are uh, partnering with us and we uh, with them and and uh, this is uh, something that hopefully will uh, bear you know big fruit uh, as as uh, time goes by and so here we are 2016 already believe it or not almost uh, um, 
well, a third through the year, and uh, and we and Heartland has a number of initiatives on the books for 2016, and probably some goals for 2017. So, John, bring uh, us up to speed on on what you're doing, where you're going. Yeah, kind of legislatively, uh, we probably about half the state legislatures are already out of session or wrapping up either next week or the week after. So um, just kind of looking from, you know, kind of some of the wins and, and losses already this year, we saw a significant movement, as, as we already kind of mentioned, on certificate of need. Iowa, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, and Missouri are, are some of the states that, that at least uh, – introduce legislation. Um, Virginia got very, very close to rolling back a lot of their certificate of need laws. Um, I'm still optimistic for some stuff to, to happen in North Carolina and Tennessee. So we're starting to see some really uh, good progress there, and I think we're going to see that continue into 2017. It seems to be a real big issue that state lawmakers are finally coming up and, and, and understanding is a huge issue. Um, one of the big things that happened actually earlier this year was um, the some of the uh, federal government actually um, has come out and, and basically said that yes, these welfare systems, uh, the Obama administration, basically some of the bureaucracies underneath them have said yes, these need to re- be repealed. They're anti-competitive. All the things that we were talked about in the last session. So that's really optimistic. Um, Heartland's doing a lot of work on that. Um, we'll be doing a lot of uh, meetings with lawmakers and writing about those issues. Um, on the direct primary care front, which I know you uh, um, you guys have worked a lot on, uh, we did see some really good movement. Uh, Wyoming and Virginia both passed laws that would regulate DPC as in, or not as insurance, um, which is really good. I know Tennessee is also looking at uh, encouraging the use of DPC more broadly, which, uh, Hal, I know you spoke at our Emerging Issues Forum last, last year in uh, Nashville, um, and I think there's been some really good um, – um, I think that was very helpful in educating some of those lawmakers about what, what direct primary care is. So we're, we're optimistic there's going to be some more reforms there. On kind of the flip side, though, actually kind of something we've been keeping our eye on is in Hawaii, which uh, – where they're actually kind of going the opposite way, and they're really trying to uh, – I'll go speak in Hawaii. More... I'll go speak in Hawaii, John. <laughs> <laughs> Won't we Absolutely. all? Absolutely. Bring all? us all. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's always an easy sell when I when I mention Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're kind of going in the opposite direction. So I know we're going to be coming out with a piece on that in, in the next week or so. Um, then kind of some of the other issues that we're keeping our eyes on, at least, and, and trying to see what's happening. Um, telemedicine, Georgia, uh, passed a, basically a law to uh, outlaw this optometry app, which would allow you to kind of get your eyes checked online. Um, 30, about 30 states allow the company to uh, operate in their, in, their, in their state. So you're seeing that. You're also seeing just general telemedicine across the country. I think there's a big, um, big demand for it, especially in the states that are more rural. Um, retail health clinics, as I mentioned, there's, there's states looking at basically trying to uh, regulate those more. And then a scope of practice is being debated. I know the governor of Florida just signed a bill that made Florida the last state, actually, uh, to allow advanced nurse practitioners and physician assistants to prescribe, prescribe certain drugs. So um, you're starting to see that as well come up. And I know um, uh, we had talked offline about how Oklahoma passed some good stuff addressing the maintenance of certification 
uh, issue as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on in healthcare, and then kind of the big elephant in the room is Medicaid expansion. Um, there's a couple states: Nebraska, South Dakota, Wyoming, and Idaho all rejected Medicaid expansion this year again. Um, it seems like every year it, it comes up. How so, many states? Um, how many states now have rejected Medicaid expansion? Um, I'd have to get the correct number. I, I think it's about twenty. Okay. So still 20 um, states. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of hovering about that for, for a while, actually. Okay. So, um, okay. yeah, we'll, we'll see kind of where that is, but it, 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 it seems to be an ongoing discussion. Um, Arkansas actually just passed kind of a tweak. Uh, the governor there was trying to tweak the way that their Medica- Medicaid expansion operates. There's a lot. I mean, the Arkansas model, the private option, has been very um, controversial, to say the least. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, reforms about that. Um, so they actually went back and passed some other reforms, but now it's not being funded. So um, it's still kind of an ongoing um, debate. Actually, the specific numbers, I just pulled it up from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Nineteen states have decided not to expand uh, Medicaid at this time. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of where we are. So people listen to this show who are not just physicians. You know, as physicians... Things that that they can do, or they can, everybody, not just physicians, can support the work that that you're doing or the work that we're doing. But people who listen to this show typically are people who are interested in uh, in doing things and and being uh, involved. So, what what can people do? Let's just take certificate of need for example. I'm an average person listening to the doctor's lounge. And I'm hearing what what we're talking about, and I'm thinking, "Wow, this this does make sense." How can they how can they uh, make a difference? Well, let's say the first. I mean, they're they're already doing the first step, which is getting uh, getting uh, more knowledge on the issue. So, learning what the issue is. I mean, these are very complicated issues, as we've kind of mentioned. I mean, healthcare is probably uh, one of the more difficult um, aspects of public policy, at least that we deal with. I mean, there's just so many nuances to it. There's so many moving parts. I would say get educated on the issue, whether it's through listening to podcasts from, from Doctor of Patient Care, um, going to heartland.org and reading about certificate of need or any other issue, and just getting as much knowledge as you can. Um, and then I would say go and talk to your state lawmaker. Um, the, the good part, the difference of dealing with state-level policy or even local-level policy than the federal policy is, a lot of these states, the, the lawmaker does not have any staff. I mean, they, they might have someone who answers the call for a few people, but if you go there and you're educated and you start talking to your state lawmaker and they're like, wow, you really know your stuff when it comes to these issues, quite frankly, you probably know more <laughs> than the state lawmaker knows about certificate need laws, which is problematic. But, you know, a lot of these state lawmakers, are, it's a part-time gig. They may be a teacher by trade or a lawyer by trade. It's tough for these people who are working part-time to know everything there is to know about healthcare markets, as well as energy markets, as well as tax policy, as well as education policy. So if you're a constituent and you go to your lawmaker and you're, you're making sense, you can have a huge impact on the debate. I mean, you really can, uh, and, and you can have access. It's not like, you know, you call your, your congressman and you got, you know, you talk to the receptionist and maybe if you're lucky, you'll talk to their legislative assistant for healthcare issues, or, you know, if you're really lucky, maybe you'll get a meeting with their chief of staff. It is, I mean, that's very difficult to do and, and sometimes almost impossible. 
but at the state level, they are very accessible. I mean, you can all hell. Sometimes they post their, their home phone numbers on the website. <laughs> I mean, you can give them a call, talk to them personally, go there, testify. I mean, you can do all these different things. Write letters to the editor, write op eds. Um, just get engaged with the movement. I mean. Talk to your local state policy network group. There's probably a think tank in your state that's working on these issues. They have a wealth of knowledge. Um, they could even help tell you, hey, these are the five lawmakers you need to go talk to. So there's a, there's so much impact that people can have in the state level. And, um, you know, I, I always get fr- maybe not frustrated, but it's kind of from a, from my perspective, because I do focus so much on state level policy, you know, it's just, you see all these people who are so angry at what's going on in Washington, and I'm as angry as what's going on in Washington as anyone. But, man, you can have such a bigger impact. If those you know, hundred people who are, are calling their congressman, if they were to call their state lawmaker, man, you could really have a huge impact. And, and I wish we could get more people engaged at the state level. And I think you're starting to see it because there's actually reforms that are happening, as I kind of mentioned, um, and some really bad policies as well that need to be blocked. So, that's that's what I would encourage you. Get engaged in your state capital um, and, and get educated on the issues. John, does, when, when there are bills that are pending, like the bill that just got passed in Virginia on DPC, for example, or, you know, some of the states that you mentioned for CON, when these bills are being uh, introduced and are being debated, does, does Heartland have a a mechanism by which they inform the people who are um, who are um, plugged into Heartland that these bills are are active? They're being actively um, uh, debated because if, if if you don't, that's something that I think would be great for Heartland and great for the listeners to and the yeah. public to start doing to to look to see what is um, what is current so that you can mobilize the public to do the, the work that, that uh, Heartland is, is doing in the background? Yeah, so um, we don't currently do that. There are a lot of groups out there that do that. I know Americans for Prosperity does that on their issues. Some of the state think tanks do that. And, and, and it's kind of a, a, the reason we don't do that is because we are a 501c3. Um, if we had a C4 arm, we could do Got some it. of those action alerts type things. But since we don't, we're not really um, actually legally by law able to do that. We can, I mean, we we can we post stuff saying, "Hey, this is being debated," but we can't really do a call to action. So right. uh, that's the reason we don't do them. It's not that we wouldn't like to. It's just it. uh, you know, it's a whole another uh, hoop that we have to jump through. But okay. I would say there's there's definitely a group in your your state. They may not track all these specific um, healthcare issues, but they probably do track a lot of these things. So yeah. I would just say just keep informed. I mean, it's easy enough to set up a Google and, alert. And we're at a hard or, break right now, John, so we're going to come back to this. I'm sorry to break up your thought. Yeah, no problem. But we'll finish in the last segment in the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. Learn strategies to protect you and your family in the age of Obamacare. 
Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Final segment here in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio with your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. My co-host, Dr. Michael Karuchik, is with us today, Mike. Yes, sir. Good to be here. And we're glad to have you. We always enjoy being together on the show. And our special guest is uh, John Noder from the Heartland Institute. He is the director of government relations, and we've been talking about the work of the Heartland Institute and uh, the the uh, great relationship that that uh, Heartland has uh, uh, had with the Doctor Patient Care Rel- uh, Foundation. So uh, please go to the website of both of us and uh, learn more about what we're doing and the relationship and collaborative efforts that we're engaged in. Um, it's a short segment, John. So we're going to wrap up a couple things. Do you, th- you know, it's very interesting. One of the things in the news just a couple of days ago was um, in Colorado, they're putting something on their uh, on their ballot in November that is going to give uh, Coloradans the opportunity to vote for a single payer system. And, yeah, and. Uh, um, I look at this as a disaster waiting to happen. I want to know if you have comments on it, but the bigger question that I wanted to uh, raise is are, are, you know, there's, we know that Obamacare is uh, a, 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 an unwavering, unmitigated disaster. And in fact, something uh, was coming out today from the insurance industry. Um, saying that uh, Obamacare is failing and that they're going to have to raise their rates yet again. And so so knowing that we are uh, not going to likely be able to maintain the status quo, we see two directions. We see the direction that we've been working on, both Heartland and Dr. Patient Care, and we're seeing this push, which we predicted, which is the single-payer crowd. So care to comment? Yeah, I was actually in Colorado maybe about a month ago, and this was definitely on the minds of a lot of people I talked to, this ballot initiative for uh, what they're calling um, Colorado Care, Yes, uh, which not only is it a single-payer system, but it would basically give um, a bureaucracy unlimited control to raise taxes on people. Um, it's, it's just a really bad system. Um, we've written extensively on it. Um, we've seen this model tried, though, already in Vermont, and they could not afford it. I mean, so, it, and that's a much smaller state. I mean, Vermont's single-payer system, they were saying they were going to have to raise $1.6 billion in new revenue each year. Yes. Well, the entire tax collection of Vermont is 2.7. 
So they would need a 50, more than a 50% increase in revenues just to cover the cost of single pair, which is why they weren't, weren't able to move forward with it. They might, so have, they might have to raise the price of marijuana. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they'll love to sell a couple more, uh, <laughs> some more marijuana to their uh, residents. Yeah, and and even that's uh, the the revenue hasn't come in as, as strong as they thought. So that's a whole another side topic. Um, but you are seeing this, and and this is I don't know if this is necessarily a reaction to Obamacare, but um, you know, I think this is something that probably would have been attempted anyways, but. I think Obamacare did give kind of the opening for it. Obviously, we're getting more people um, committed or dependent upon federal and government dollars, which is really what the goal was. I mean, that's the whole reason behind Medicaid expansion. It was not that they thought Medicaid was just this really good source of health care or coverage. No, it's, it's about getting more people dependent upon government dollars, which we're preaching the opposite, right? We're trying to get people less dependent upon government dollars. We, we believe that the... The way to enhance a more efficient healthcare system is to empower individuals by giving them more control over their dollars spent on their behalf. I mean, single payer systems—they do the exact opposite. So that this is very uh, worrisome. Um, I'm optimistic it's not going to pass. I think the people of Colorado are smart enough to see that this this is not a good way forward. But you never know. So. Um, it, it is very uh, disconcerting to see the, the movement, and I'm sure other states will consider uh, similar reforms, however. Well, you know, the conspiracist in me, uh, and, and I'm not alone, uh, believes that uh, the Affordable Care Act was created with the intent of failure so that we can mm-hmm. get to this point in time where we they they would say well you know what we've tried something to uh to rein in the costs and to improve the access and it has just not worked so the only solution is going to be to do what the rest of the world is doing and uh and herein is the uh the 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 uh difference between uh conservatives and uh leftists which is the uh, government doing everything for you and uh, feeling good instead of good outcomes. Mike, do you have any thoughts about this? Well, well sure. What's Rahm Emanuel's favorite quote? Never let a crisis go to waste. So <clears throat> first corollary is create your crisis. So, yeah, I mean, and then and then capitalize on it because you designed it in the first place. So I agree with you. I think that's that's was the intent of at least many, if not all of the folks that conceived this. Uh, it's just a matter of you know trying to derail that train before it makes it all the way home. How do we derail this, John? What do we need to do? Because I think that this is not. You, I think you hit the nail on the head. Other states are going to look at this. They're going mm-hmm. to. They're going to possibly even jump on the bandwagon and and uh, try to push this forward. There's no shortage of those people who uh, who feel that this is the direction we need to head in. Well, I think we're in a good position uh, based on what happened in Vermont. I mean. If they can't do single payer in Vermont, which is a very small state, uh, you know, with not that many residents, and, and they already found out that they couldn't afford it, I think you're gonna. That's a really good test case. I mean, if you, like I said, if you can point to Vermont, you can point to anywhere. Um, and I think if you can see voters coming out in a purple state like Colorado and saying, you know what, we do not think this is the proper way forward. Yes, we have pot legalization. Yes, we, we are, you know, we are, we do some kind of outside the box ideas, but you know what? We're not ready for single payer healthcare. I think those two things can give us, um, 
some momentum in terms of if other states try to move forward on this, or it may actually prevent some of these states from moving forward. So I think we're actually in a pretty good position. Um, I think this is a very important ballot initiative, though. I, I really do. It could have sweeping um, sweeping momentum either way. I mean, if they pass it and it's successful, that could sweep to other states. And the opposite is true. I think it could um, t- walk some people back maybe in some of these states that were considering it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 back to your point about, uh, you know, this was meant, the federal health care law was meant to fail and, and it's all a, a way to get a single pair. Um, you know what? It, it may have, and I'm, I'm definitely open to those arguments, but either way, it really was meant to get more people reliant on government so they could get to a single pair, whether they thought the, the whole whole system that they created was going to fail and, and kind of crumble on, under on top of them, I don't know. But it is about getting more people dependent on federal dollars, government dollars, so then therefore the bridge from people dependent upon uh, government-run health care and those not is so small that that jump is not that big so that they can eventually get to that. And, and that's definitely the trek we're on. So hopefully we won't get there, but you know, uh, we we have to be vigilant, and and like you said in the last segment, we got to you know people have to be engaged at both the state and federal level. Um, talk to your legislator, get informed on these issues, and and speak up. Well, I always wondered if uh, you remember when when Obamacare was getting designed and litigated, there was this public option that was on the table for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, I wonder if their plan A wasn't just you know have a public option, subsidize it with taxpayer dollars, and run the other options out of business. And when that didn't work out, we ended up with what we have. Highly conjectured. Yeah. No, I, I think it was. I mean, that's why that was their first choice, right? I mean, that's what they were trying to go for. And then once that kind of People saw right through that, though. The majority of uh, American people saw through that. So, you know what, this is basically single-payer by another name, and it's going to put all these companies out of business, and uh, we're going to end up with single-payer. So I, I think you're right. That was that was probably closer to single-payer than what we we ended up with. At least under what we ended up with, there is the opportunity to at least pull out some of these things. I mean, it, whether they're going to get rid of all of Obamacare uh, in the next, uh, you know, whoever the next president becomes, I don't know. Uh, you know, some of the parts they probably won't be able to just because it's got its fangs already into, uh, you know, we're already too far down the path. But the individual mandate, that could easily be repealed. Um, some of the, you know, Medicaid expansion, we could instead of, you know, we could keep that and just say, hey, we're going to block grant that money back to the states. We're going to let them, um, you know, have some resources and they're figure out how to deal with their, their poorest people. So, I think there's still a way out of Obamacare um, that could still have positive effects on health care. But, you know, it it is problematic, and we need to be vigilant and and keep our eyes open for sure. I wonder if if Obamacare needs to be dismantled rather than repealed. You know, it's in the vernacular of docs. It's like a metastatic disease. You know, you can't just remove the original tumor and expect to fix anything. Hal, you're, I hear you back there. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, I, I agree with you 100%, Mike, about dismantling it. And I think dismantlement will come not by repeal, but by promoting everything that Heartland is doing and what Docs for Patient Care Foundation is doing, which is promoting the free market um, uh, initiatives that, that we talk about all the time. And by doing that and showing that there's a better way 
of uh, providing, um, not providing, but a better opportunity for patients to receive the care that they need when they're reliant on their themselves instead of the government, then mm-hmm. that that will prevail. That will win the day. You've got you've got one minute, John, to wrap this up, and and we're running short on time. Um, so, last thoughts. Well, I just want to thank you guys for having me on here. Obviously, and uh, like I said, if, if if some of your listeners are interested in in reading more about Heartland, you can go to news.heartland.org. Uh, you can see the uh, the policy diagnosis uh, segment, which we interview a, 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 a doctor each month for that uh, that issue. Um, also, I'd like to plug my own podcast, which is called In the Tank. You can just search it on iTunes. And, and during that podcast, we actually just look at all the free market groups, uh, think tanks across the country, and we talk about what some of the best research going on there in healthcare, budget and tax, and other issues. So, um, really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, um, thanks, thanks again, and, and keep up the great work and and all that. So, well, John, thank you so much, and and we are we'll have you back on the show, and and I'm hoping that Mike will be uh, one of the upcoming doctors that's interviewed, and and we'd love to be on on your show that you've plugged, and and I know that that will happen in the future, and we're looking to. Uh, uh, do some great things together uh, in 2016 and beyond. So on behalf of my co-host, Dr. Michael Karuchik, this is Hal Schurz. Thank you for joining us in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.